from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Presented by BetMGM, Dave Ross, alongside Wes Reynolds here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And, Wes, it's very interesting when you see the news on Aaron Rodgers today about Adam Schefter reporting this and saying, quote, the truth is he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. He is uh, planned, excuse me, he has not planned to be back in Green Bay. So it sounds like nothing is going to change here when it comes to the Aaron Rodgers situation. And yesterday I did My Guys in the Desert. And I, I told Brady in a mall that, you know, I do a show with Jordan Palmer mm-hmm. uh, back in Chicago. And Jordan told me on draft night that there's just no way that Aaron Rodgers is going to play in Green Bay. And I know the odds favor him coming back to Green Bay. But it sounds like people on the inside still believe this isn't going to happen. So when you look at the odds here of where he's going to take his first snap of the season, I know the Packers are minus 400. Mm-hmm. But Wes, I gotta fade that. Just from the people on the inside that keep reaffirming this stance that Aaron doesn't want to be there. And look, financially, it's best for him to go back to Green Bay. But I think at this point, he probably doesn't care about that as much. He's made quite a lot of money. Obviously, uh, has distinguished himself in terms of like celebrity circles. Had the uh, successful stint on Jeopardy. I don't think he's going to get the permanent <laughs> gig. But he's seeing Peyton Manning host College right. Bowl on NBC. So he's like, well, hell, I can do this. Uh, so look, uh, 
I, I always kind of lean toward Green Bay, but I'm not necessarily, if I'm going to bet this, I'm not betting Green Bay, clearly, right. because I think if you bet that, it's like it can only go one way, and that's bad in terms of uh, the outcome of this. But you're just kind of looking at where is a potential landing spot and what is available. I know when this was announced on draft night at first that he was going to want out of Green Bay, there was always a speculation, but nothing was ever leaked out. And then it leaked out, coincidentally enough, uh, right, on draft night. Mm-hmm. So... And and then that's where uh, I know uh, Stink Schlereth, Mark Schlereth, who mm-hmm. is a host in Denver, longtime uh, Denver Bronco player, obviously, and uh, works for Fox, has done national games for them as well. He said, I think he's going to end up in Denver. And then that price got cut. It was even lower than the $4 you're seeing right now at DraftKings. And then as time went on, it kind of drifted up a little bit because it's like, well, maybe they're going to work it out and he's going to end up in Green Bay because financially it's it's easy for him to do so. But he is, a, I think, look, now you try to make room for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, but you look at those odds on the left side of the column, a, a lot of those spots I don't think are necessarily options. I don't think Carolina right now is an option. I don't think necessarily Atlanta is an option. Washington could be, even though they did sign Fitzmagic, and that's a team that's going to have to win with defense anyway, kind of like they did last year, which got them in the playoffs. So, look, the Broncos are the obvious option that makes mm-hmm. sense. I think if he wants to play, he wants to go kind of to the West Coast. That's kind of leaked out. He wanted to maybe go to the 49ers. That option obviously dried up, or he wanted to go to maybe the Rams that obviously dried up <laughs> right. with the trade of Matthew Stafford is now they're really an instant Super Bowl contender. So that leaves you with the Raiders that leaves you with the Broncos. The Chargers, I think clearly have a young stud in Justin Herbert that they like at quarterback. Right. So, well, you know, the well, Broncos make the most sense of that option. The Raiders, I don't know if they have the assets to be able to get that done right now. I look at this board, too, and I say you, you can take the Bears off of it at 28-1 to 1 with Justin Fields drafting him and two veteran quarterbacks there in Dalton and, and Foles. I, I just feel like that quarterback room is all settled. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. Now, the Browns, you know, have not really – Baker Mayfield, are they long-term committed to him at 25-1? to 1? The team that kind of jumps off the page to me, Wes, is the Texans mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson and his legal issues there, right? And so so they really don't have another quarterback right now. So aside from Denver at being a plus 400, maybe a long shot flyer play, if you could work out the trade, would be the Texans at 20 to 1. Now, does he want to go to an organization that's a complete mess no, right is, now? It is. I think it's a, I think it's Tyrod Taylor. Is, the is there in Houston? So we don't know what's going to happen. You've got a Houston Texans team in week one that is a dog to a team that has a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. Oof. That's almost unheard of. And it's probably going to continue to get bet on that Jacksonville side. So, you know, I understand your logic there from that standpoint that it's like, okay, they don't have a quarterback, so he comes in and starts. But that organization has been all upside down since Mr. McNair passed away. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think he would want any part of that. He's already kind of uh, – opposite of the powers that be in Green Bay as it is. Yeah, it's very interesting to keep an eye on it. But again, just from what I've been hearing on the inside circles, it does not sound like it. And that's what Sheffrey's reporting is that he is not going to be back in Green Bay. We'll find out. Of course, you are watching uh, the Lombardi line here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network presented by BetMGM. And I do want to get to some other news and notes here. And Wes, some NFL notes here. How about this from Ryan Burr, NFL insider and Ben Roethlisberger. He says, quote, Ben's camp says the biggest concern is weight loss. He's been so driven since the end of last season. Sources say his diet is stricter than Tom Brady's. How about that? So on the NFL theme, everybody's writing off Big Ben in Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. This could be a down year for the Steelers and the whole bit. 
Are you buying one that Ben's diet is better than TB12s? Because that seems like long odds if you were to place a wager. I tend to be at least somewhat cynical of that, (laughs) to be honest with you. And uh, Ryan Burr, who's a very smart guy, I know uh, a guy I know from Indiana, Dan Dockett, used to work with him in the studio on ESPN. He's now with Golf Channel. Ryan Burr is a Pittsburgh native. Okay. So obviously, he's either really dialed in or he's very much a fan of this team and is kind of maybe having some wishful thinking. Now, with the Steelers, I think, are one of the the most interesting teams in the NFL this year because they have a Super Bowl Lombardi Trophy winning defense. Right? They absolutely have that right now. And I think the offense, at least from a passing standpoint, in theory should be okay. They've got some solid enough receivers. And I think, uh, look, they did draft uh, the kid from Alabama in the first round. However... The offensive line. And that's what you always think of with the Steelers. They Mm -hmm. always have a great offensive line. And they were dead last in running the football last year. So it's like, okay, maybe they're going to go heavy with offensive linemen. And they've lost guy. What, they just waved to Castro. Villain away, I believe, signed with the uh, Ravens. And Pouncey retired. Yes. There's a three starters off of an offensive line that wasn't that great last year. So that's why I'm a little lukewarm on them. Because I think the the defense might be the best in the NFL. Or at least top three to five. Yeah. Bare minimum in the NFL and maybe Mike Tomlin and his guys are going to have to live off that a little bit because what you saw with Ben last year, Mike or Dave, uh, he was, he was having to get the ball out so quick and he was throwing like these little three and four yard passes. I think it was the Buffalo game on Sunday night. They had the thirteen nothing lead. Yes. There's the pick six right And, and I the remember half. being on the Steelers, and I and I and I have them. I'm like, okay, maybe Buffalo's getting a little bit overpriced, and then the Steelers starting out, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, see, see, you know, and and then, but you watched them on offense, and it was like. Man, you know, he just is not throwing the ball down the field at all. He doesn't have any zip. And you kind of see that quarterbacks can get old in this league. We saw it with Drew Brees. Sure. We see it sometimes from week to week with Matt Ryan. Now, then some weeks he goes back where it's like, okay, he's the MVP. He was a few years ago. But we shall see. I mean, I remain a little cynical on this. I'm, I'm guessing he's going to be likely in better shape, you know, a year removed from that injury. But the Steelers, I just... I don't know until I see better offensive line play. I just can't get with them in that AFC North. Yeah, I can't really figure out this division, obviously, with the Ravens and the Browns. We're really buying in on the Browns that they have arrived. We'll find out about that. Some other news and notes. Kawhi Leonard did undergo uh, ACL surgery as we get ready for game four of the finals. Interesting note on Kawhi there. Hopefully, he'll be back and ready to go next year. But this is what I really wanted to ask you about, Wes. And this is uh, quite scandalous, if true. At least two Wimbledon matches are under investigation for allegedly being fixed, according to a, a report from a German newspaper. The investigation was launched after several very specific and suspicious bets took place surrounding matches during the tournaments early in July. According to the report, suspicions were raised over a first-round men's doubles match. There were large bets placed around a favored duo at quote-unquote irregular times. Uh, However, the tandem did end up losing uh, the next three sets, even though the pair ended up winning the first set, and that increased the odds that they would be defeated. Look, we've heard of this at smaller tournaments, but when you talk about Wimbledon, right, and this is Mm -hmm. the cash cow, this is the biggest of the four Grand Slam events, what do you make of this? Because you know Wimbledon is going to look in this very seriously, and when you see the irregular times, and tennis has always been that one sport where you've seen kind of irregular betting patterns, Mm -hmm. what do you make of this report? It wouldn't surprise me, and uh, there was a report. This wasn't necessarily from a betting standpoint, but there are sometimes cheating accusations from opponent to opponent. I think it was the third round this year. It was uh, Tom Janovich, uh, the Australian, against Jelena Ostapenko, and 
the Australian came down to beat Ostapenko, came from a set down to win. But she was leading the third set four to nothing, had won seven games in a row, and then was going to close out the match. And then Ostapenko calls a medical timeout. So you see this gamesmanship mm. sometimes where it's like, okay, and she obviously was not her. She was saying she had pain and whatnot, you know, to kind of stop an opponent's momentum. That's uh, the old uh, when Rafael oh, and the it, right? when Rafael and the doll goes to the bathroom <laughs> and and whatnot in random Comes times back or, and or call, he's got energy calls for the trainer. Right. So you often see this games in matches that maybe you can just dismiss as gamesmanship, but it doesn't surprise me that necessarily that there's these, these cheating allegations, because there are so many events around the world too, with tennis. Now this is at a major, but usually on a week to week basis, Dave, you probably have three to four ATP top tour men's events or top tour women's events on the WTA around the world. Like this summer, as we get later into the summer, you're going to have an event in America and then you're probably going to have some kind of clay event in Europe or maybe an event in Asia. So you have so many of these events that the opportunities are really plentiful. If you do want to perhaps fix matches. Yeah, I know in my neck of the woods, the city open in Washington, DC, they got Rafa Nadal to come for the first time. So they're all jacked up about that. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Some of these lower level tournaments, sometimes that we've seen and heard of these things before. Let's just hope this is on the up and up. I'm glad they're investigating. That's always the good thing. You don't want to see a major championship like Wimbledon have a scandal potentially like this, so hopefully it amounts to absolutely nothing. We know a lot of eyes tonight, obviously, on Game 4 of the NBA Finals, Bucks and Suns. We talked about it in the first hour with Tim Doyle. I do want to get your thoughts on some of the player props tonight, and Wes, I sweated out one in Game 3. I had the over three-pointers uh, for Chris Middleton at 2.5, and, mm-hmm. and he hit it. But he only attempted one in the second half to right. get that. And so my worry is when I, I mean, we talked about the over for the rebounds for Giannis and Tim says, get the hammer out. He's still going to go over. Book him for 10. He's going to get you to 13. Is there anything on here? And Middleton burned me on the points, by the way, as well, because he just didn't need to score in that third quarter because Giannis did all the work. Which way would you lean tonight as some of your stronger Let's start off with the Bucks. some of the player props you see Yeah, here. you had a sweater, and I had a sweater, and that was Drew Holiday combined points, rebounds, and assists. And, you know, I was like, thank you, Coach Bud, for leaving him <laughs> in to get that last assist, that right. being Drew Holiday. When they were up comfortably double digits, I'm like, they're going to sit these guys. Mm-hmm. But usually, Dave, what I like to do with props, I usually don't like to be on one of the ones involving one of the primary stars necessarily because that's the one that gets the most action. Sure. That's the one that usually I think, uh, you know, you want to stay away from a little bit unless the number gets out of whack. But tonight might be a little bit different. I know Tim likes the rebounds, and I can't necessarily disagree, which is why I might not go with the points, rebounds, and assists here. But Giannis under 34 and a half points. Really? Going against the grain here, considering he's off 42 and 41 point games. And that is why I'm going to go against him because of the recency bias. Betters bet what they see last. And that phenomena doesn't necessarily translate just to one sport. It's multiple sports. So, look, Giannis opened the NBA Finals at 26 and a half. Now, keep in mind, when he opened, we didn't know what his health was. Right. So you have to take that into account. But you also got to take into account what we've seen now. You, you, we don't know if he's fully healthy, but he's healthy enough to score 40-plus points <laughs> in back-to-back games. So now we have seen an eight-point adjustment in just one week. And that's what I like to do a little bit, especially like when we get to football season here in September. Week two is like one of my favorite weeks in the football season because you get the overreactions from week one because you only have one game of a sample size. So that's when you can kind of capitalize against that. 
I'm going to try to do that here with Giannis at under 34 and a half. He has only scored 35 in consecutive games five times in his entire career. Never until the, in the playoffs until these last two games. Hmm. He's gone 35 more twice in a row, just one time ever. 35 is even a lot for Giannis. It is. This standpoint. And he's actually scored below 35 in 15 of his 18 playoff games this year. So what is that? 83% to the under. And that's why I'm looking maybe to go under here at 34 and a half. I know it's dangerous. Giannis did score as Tim Doyle did point out in the first hour, 12 points from the line each in the last two can games. You, you can't bank on that, right? right? Because you don't know what the officiating is going to be right. like. Uh, and, and, and we didn't get a chance to mention, and I know we talked about it in over one of the breaks, DeAndre Ayton got a very quick whistle he did. in game three. And Monty Williams pointed that out. So now that's going to creep into the head of these guys where it's like, okay, because if you remember, the Bucks didn't get a very good whistle in game one. Game two was a little bit more even in terms of, of the foul calls. And I just think that that scoring from the line can only really go but down if DeAndre Ayton at least stays on the floor because Ayton, I think, had 12 points right away yeah, quickly. in the first quarter. And then he get picked up the foul. So if you had him, like that points rebounds prop, I think it was 27 and a half. He ends up 18 and nine. You thought, I'm going to get this in the first <laughs> no half. No problem, right. And and then they had to take him out because, because he got foul calls. So that's kind of also why I would like to be on DeAndre Ayton points and rebounds tonight on the Sun side because – uh, for uh, about a, a half, I think at halftime, he had 18 and six. So he's like right there. And then he picks up his four foul, just about a minute and a half, two minutes into the second half. And then he wasn't a factor. He's mostly absent the rest of the game. He didn't even score again. Right. And, and, you know, and then, like you said, it's out of reach. They can't, they're not going to put him back in and waste his minutes. And he only had like three rebounds in the second half. So Giannis under points and DeAndre Ayton over combined points and rebounds, because I think maybe they let him play a little bit more tonight. He kind of got caught up in the foul game, just a quick whistle. So that'd be where I'd be going. And to your point about maybe not betting all the star players, because you're right, everybody always likes likes to play the stars, Chris Paul, and, and Giannis, obviously. The Cam Johnson prop I was looking at at eight and a half, and we saw him flash and obviously the highlight dunk. But, boy, he can spot up for three, and it feels like he's open a lot, Wes. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll have the volume to trust that to hit the over tonight at eight and a half? That, that's a big ask, I think. And, look, he had a very good game. But the fact of the matter is the Phoenix Suns, despite the fact that you know, run a little bit low on bodies. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier when you were asking Tim Doyle about Sarich being out and you've had guys like Crowder play very heavy minutes. You've had Mike, Mikael Bridges play very heavy minutes. So somebody off the bench has got to contribute for the Phoenix Suns. And they, they, you know, Cam Johnson was kind of the guy kept him in it for a while last game out. Now that's going to vary. Is it he going to be him tonight or is it going to be Payne tonight or is it going to be somebody else? But I, I, that's one that I'm probably going to stay away okay. from because I think there's such variance with these bench players. It like is. even on the Milwaukee side, like maybe Connaughton has a decent game one night and then the next night it's going to be Portis. And then the next night it's going to be Bryn Forbes. So you really get a lot more variance there. And it's just kind of, you're, you're really making minutes plays. I think if you're playing those guys off the bench, no question. I want to get back to your Giannis theory on the under, because obviously that's probably the best value, as you mentioned it, because it's ticked so high up with his 40 point performances. Let's just say that that total does stay to the under. So he doesn't go off like he has been doing the last couple to that end, the odds to score and have the highest scoring player 
tonight potentially could bring some other guys into play. Giannis is still the overwhelming favorite at minus 175 for good reason. Now, we saw Book, I mean, he got benched. Mm-hmm. You know, Monty Williams was having a talk. Yeah, they him. didn't put him back in the game, whereas they left Chris Ball in right. almost till the bitter end. And it's like, okay, this is the older player. Why aren't you sitting him at this standpoint? Yeah, so I'm looking at value here to that end. I'm assuming that Book gets his full run tonight at plus 325, mm-hmm. and he's got the capability of going off. We know how Chris Paul's how good he's been. There's Middleton, who's always the enigma to me, but great value there at plus 700. If you really think he can have the big night and continue it like he did in the first half in game three, and then he did nothing in the second half. Is there any other value there that you might identify uh, if you want to kind of fade Giannis a little bit? I think Booker is the likely choice, as you mentioned, at plus three and a quarter, because you would expect he was three at 13. Right. This may be the bounce back game. If I'm really going down the board, and this is as far as I would go, We have not, even though he was much better in game three, we have yet to really have that really big Drew Holiday scoring game. And if you remember the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks, this is around the time game four, game five, kind of middle toward the back half of the series where he started to maybe get loose for a Mm. game. And that would be, I'm not necessarily saying to bet this, but if I was going longer down the board, it would be Drew Holiday. Now, Drew Holiday had not really shot the ball well until last time out uh, because the first two games well, he was Phoenix, he was, he was absolutely terrible. And it was like, okay, when is this guy going to show up? Well, here to that end, you go get the props for Drew Holiday. And it's interesting. If he, to go over 30-plus po- points, you get plus 600. Mm-hmm. Now, can he get to that number? Yeah, he was shooting it pretty confidently in game three. If you like him for a double-double, uh, it's plus 150. To mess around and get a triple-double, 12-1, to 1, to go over 20 points, there's your uh, minus 110. So, right. Wes, he, he got over that 20-point total in game three. Any value here? You, could you take a flyer on the long shot of going off for the 30-plus, or is that just too big a number? I think it's a big number, but it might be worth it at the price because you look at Holiday. He was 8 of 14, 5 of 10 from the three, and he played 40 minutes other than Middleton. He played the most minutes on the team. Middleton got a little bit, uh, you know, about the same number of shots, too, because Giannis, of course, 14 of 23 from the floor. But Drew Holiday was a little bit more confident. I know you had to wait to that fourth quarter late like I did to get that (laughs) points rebounds over at 32 and a half, which, by the way, just looking at the sheet here is about the same really for this game. So eventually you got to think that he has got to have that big offensive game where he is going to have at least in the high 20s and perhaps get up to 30. I think Giannis's points are going to be lower, as I mentioned, under 34 and a half. So who's going to pick up that slack? Is it going to be like Lopez? It could be perhaps Lopez. Yeah, he but went off for 30 plus yeah, in the playoff game. Yeah, but that. I think Drew Holiday at some point is going to have a big game where he's going to hit like eight or nine threes or something like that. Well, that's what I think they all expected when he came over. And after he was really laid a dud there in the first two games, he bounced back in game three. Maybe he carries that over to game four tonight. Because I think you're right. At some point, Giannis cannot be expected to carry the whole load. Mm-hmm. So they're going to look to Drew Holiday to do that. I do love laying the 110 and, and taking the 20 plus points or better. And then I think you're right. Maybe the flyer on 30 plus at plus 600. Yeah. I don't know that he gets there, but I expect him to be at least in the twenties tonight. And then maybe that double, double at plus plus one fifty is not bad. Value and if as you well. believe as I do that the scoring for Giannis is going to go down because is he going to shoot 28 of 38 from the post basically? And is he going to get to the foul line that frequently? You got to think somebody has to pick up that slack. All right, Wes, when we come back, if you would indulge me, I want to talk old guys at the Open Championship. Okay. Fair enough? Yes. Because I'm an old guy. Yes, yeah, am I. With more on the Lombardi line right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Here on the Lombardi Line, presented by Bet MGM, Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds coming at you, talking a lot of Open Championship golf. And Wes, I told you I'm old, so I always root for the old guys at the Open Championship. I did not get down on Phil Mickelson when he won the PGA. I will kick myself forever for not backing my guy Phil. Now I know that it doesn't feel like at 70 to one, it, obviously t- to cash the ticket on Phil it does not seem like a wise play. Mm-hmm. But minus 150 to make the cut. On the left-hander, can, can you? He's fifty-one now, by the way. I, I believe he's fifty-one now, but he's still in good form. The length is still not a problem, right? The, mm-hmm. the round we know how good the short game is. We saw what he did in twenty thirteen when he won the Open Championship. Can I at least get down on minus one fifty and lay that number to think that the left-hander at least makes the cut? 
I was looking at some of the props here on him to see if I could find like low senior because I think there's a couple over 50s low senior. In, in this event. Oh, but my. I have not seen it. I don't believe it's available <laughs> at BetMGM, but there are a couple. Uh, top left-hander, if you want to look at that. I know uh, there's five left-handers in this field. Bobby Mack, mm. the young Scotsman, is plus 225. Garrett Kigo, who's won. I won with him on the European Tour at Grand Canaria at the Lopezon Open in the Canary Islands off of Spain. And then Matt Humans backed him in terms of the Palmetto Championship. So now Higo has his full-time PGA Tour privileges, got a two-year exemption from winning that event. But this is Garrett Higo. Like I talked about guys that were rookies at an open championship or maybe don't have a lot of links experience. Right. Higo would be maybe one, and I think I went against him in a matchup this week. I love him long-term. I think he's going to be a big-time player. actually played some of his college golf for a short stint right here at UNLV. So he's a South African player, very talented, but this is his first time at the Open. You have Brian Harmon at plus 260, another left-hander. Uh, always a very accurate hitter, yeah, he not necessarily a very long hitter. And then you have Phil at 350. I believe the Chinese amateur, Yuxin Lin, is 16-1. to So you have five total in the field. So Phil Mickelson may be at 7-2 to to be the low left-hander. I don't expect he's going to be a contender here. Now, this is the event that I often say, and now I kind of feel foolish saying it because it's like he just won the PGA for God's sakes, you know, just a couple months ago at 51 years old. So it's like, you know, I always thought the Open Championship, though, because we remember history back at Turnberry many years ago where Tom Watson was 60 and went to a playoff with Stuart Singh. Should have won that. Yeah, and absolutely should have won that Open Championship. So older guys that have that Lynx experience mm-hmm. can do well here. So I don't want to say Phil can't. I'm not predicting that he will because – I was a little bit surprised he did not play the Scottish Open because if you followed Phil Mickelson's career, and I know you have, he normally does. He always plays the week before a major. It was the exact opposite of like Tiger's philosophy. Mm -hmm. Tiger was always like, hey, I want to go back to Windermere. I want to go back home. I want to do preparation with my coach, whether it's Hank Haney or Sean Foley or whoever it is. I want to prepare with my team, and then I'm going to come ready to go come Monday when we get on the flight to wherever the venue is. Whereas Phil Mickelson always was like I think competition is the best preparation. But we'll find out. Again, the odds going against him, it's down to 80 to 1 now. So mm-hmm. the double dog daring me to put my money on Phil. Don't think I'm going to do it, but I am going to play him at minus 150 to make the cut. Another old guy that I always root for is Sergio. Mm-hmm. Now, Sergio has already won a major, but he won the one major I think we never thought he'd win, and that was at Augusta National. We always thought he'd win an open championship. He's gotten very close in the past to doing it, had a putt on 18 that went off high side years ago. And he didn't get that clear jug. 66 to 1. He's still hitting it well. But to me, his game is almost indifferent these days. Unlike Phil, who feels like he really gets engaged, right? And he's kind of in the moment. Is Sergio still mentally engaged enough to take a flyer at 66 to 1? Because the game still, he, he still has that. I almost actually played him this week, but my card was getting heavy enough as it is. That boat was getting full. But <laughs> Sergio Garcia, look. He's always been very good at the Open Championship, and he obviously has now won his major. So usually when guys kind of get their first major later on the back nine or back half of their career, they're kind of content. 
this is the one he wants the most because Sergio is obviously a student of history. And who is his idol? Who is his deity or God, if you will? It's Seve Ballesteros. Absolutely. So these guys love Seve Ballesteros, and he was one of the guys that was Mr. Open Championship. So this is the one that still drives him and motivates him. This event and probably the Ryder Cup, and we'll see if he's picked to that team as a captain's pick later this year. He's probably not going to make it on points unless he wins this thing. But I would certainly not discount Sergio. He is still one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the mm-hmm. world. Always up there in strokes gained off the tee, despite the fact that Bryson's hitting it like a million yards off the tee. Sergio is still right up there in terms of strokes gained. How in the world did they not have a prop for Low Senior? <clears throat> that sounds like the greatest prop of Maybe all time. Maybe they don't have as many, but they usually have it for the U.S. Open or the Masters. Anybody over 40, I'm rooting for you guys. Sergio, <laughs> I'm still with you. Same for Phil. Much more with Les right here on the Lombardi line. It is Visa, the Sports Betting Network. College football season is right around the corner, and that means the VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch. So if you have a betting edge this football season, you got to get this guide. The guide is only $19.99. It, discounts are available when you buy early, so now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Dave Ross back here in the Lombardi line with Wes Reynolds. And Wes, uh, I always like talking to Lou Finicaro. I'm highly jealous of Lou that he was there Saturday mm-hmm. night at UFC 264. And he, I don't know if he heard the crack of the leg of Conor McGregor when he took the, sne- the step back and broke the ankle, Lou. But I do want to get your thoughts on the night as a whole. Just the atmosphere, obviously, for a Conor fight, it's still going to attract uh, what you saw there, a sold-out crowd. What would you make of that five minutes of craziness that you witnessed Saturday night? Well, uh, Dave, thanks uh, for having me on. You and Wes love to share UFC insight. It was a magical night. Phoenix, I think since the UFC's come back live, they've crescendoed. Florida was super. Uh, Houston built on top of it. Phoenix was over the top. And then you have Conor McGregor to top it all off. Uh, The fights were excellent. I will say Uh, Betting results, 11 favorites to one underdog. Mm. When that happens, it's going to be a challenging evening for me. As far as the Connor leg break, Connor broke his leg on a check kick to Poirier's elbow. I tweeted it out an hour ago. Uh, You can see the instability when he lands after the check. And one or one and a half step later, the ankle snapped. So uh, I have nothing positive to say about the Irishman. I have nothing but positives to say about Poirier, his effort, and his class. You know what? That's interesting, Wes, because Lou, Connor disputed that, obviously, 
Ali when he couldn't stand up. And, you know, the, the Diamond said that in his post-fight interview, that he broke it uh, on a check. And we've seen that before with the spider, Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, certainly uh, Chris Weidman that happened as well. So these things do happen in the sport. So there's there should be no sour grapes on Connor's point. And I think you're right. He's lost a lot of credibility points, if he had any, to begin with, with the way he's kind of acted afterward. Wes and I was, were discussing here, Lou, like, do you think – that Conor McGregor now is still the draw that he was Saturday night if he gets that leg recovered and maybe a third fight with Nate Diaz, or is the ship starting to sail? I'd say the ship is already sailed as far as him being a contender in lightweight division. As far as him being a potential draw that can make some money for the UFC in future fights, say Nick Diaz, Mm -hmm. uh, then I believe there's a viable effort that uh, we may see him again. Yeah, because I think the public will buy into that because Nate Diaz will go ahead and play that game. But even if you look at the Conor trash talk, he kind of seems like a shell of his former self. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was very original, whether you liked him or you didn't like him. This was the guy that came up with one of the great lines, I'd like to apologize, pause, (laughs) to absolutely absolutely nobody, which was one of the great sports quotes in modern time. And now he just seems like he's making it personal. He's like, he's talking about Poirier's wife. It's like, what's next? Your mama is so fat jokes. I mean, (laughs) is that where Conor McGregor is going here? It's like, come on, you're one of the great smack talkers in all of sports and just seems like a shell of himself. But I think Nate Diaz, like Lou mentioned, is the absolute matchup you kind of have to make. And I still think there'd be people interested in that because they like the, the carnage and, you know, the entertainment the sports entertainment, as sure. it were, value of that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that fight does get made and what, what happens for Conor. He's not done. Dana knows he's still a cash cow, so I'm sure we're going to see that. Let's look ahead to UFC Fight Night this weekend. We got Islam Makovic taking on Tiago Moises. Uh, and Makovic right now is minus 650, Lou, and he's the overwhelming favorite here in this lightweight bout. Uh, how do you – boy, you don't want to lay 650, but he looks like – a wrecking machine in this division, right? And he's kind of being viewed now as the next. I know he's ranked ninth right now in the division, but he looks like Moises just doesn't have much of a chance in this one Saturday night. What do you make of this matchup? Well, I I find it to be a fascinating matchup. You know, we got long guys against short guys and BJJ against wrestling or striking. In this case, we have two dynamic ground fighters. Uh, Makachev comes with a master of sport ensemble, which means that he's right there with Nurmagomedov, his dear buddy, as far as wrestling, grappling, vice grip prowess. The difference between those two uh, is that Makachev's striking is much more advanced than Nurmagomedov's was when he left the game. Mm. So now we look at Moises. Moises is a ground fighter. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu savant, and he's expressed the desire to take Makachev down to the ground and roll. I've been taught that the world-class wrestler Sambo fighter is kryptonite to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. And so if Moises decides to take this to the ground, I'm fascinated to see what he has. Uh, On the feet, Moises may have closed the distance a little with his striking, but he's not the same striker as Makachev. So Makachev should definitely be the favorite in this fight. Uh, I don't know that he should be as high a favorite in this fight because Moises is willing and knows what he can do with a victory here. Uh, I'm going to go to the props to try and find some angles for this fight. There are just not a lot of them out just yet. 
the over in the fight, four and a half shaded to the overs, um, maybe more credit than I'm willing to give Moises and maybe looking for Makachev maybe inside the distance or via uh, KO, TKO because of ground and pound, something in that form. Lou, got about a minute here. Kind of the fight from a handicapping standpoint that interests me the most is Misha Cupcake Tate. First time back in the octagon since November 2016 when she lost to Rocky Pennington. Semi-retired, went to be the VP of one championship over in Singapore. Returning to the octagon against Marion Renault, Still a ranked uh, contender in the Bantamweight at number 12, but she's lost four fights in a row and she's now 44 years old. I I think that this is being booked for Misha Tate to get a win in her comeback here, but still it's a little bit of a leap of faith with somebody that has not fought in about four and a half years. Yeah. Uh, Renault not only is 44 and lost her last four, but the, she's announced this is her retirement mm-hmm. fight. She's been handpicked by the organization to face Misha here. Misha came a slight uh, underdog, and uh, I wrote this up in Point Spread Weekly yesterday, Misha minus 125. I would tell people to bet Misha Tate now. She's got far superior wrestling striking, and she's firing fresh. Lou, I'm sorry we're running out of time. I got to get a quick thought. 20 seconds. The Little Heathen, Jeremy Stevens, plus 170 against Gamrod at minus 200. Does the Little Heathen stand a chance? Is this a live dog? No, karma's a bear, and he's going to get the results of karma. He's going to get iced. Love it, Lou Finnecarl. you got to follow him at Gambling Lou, G-M-B-L-O-U. Lou, appreciate the time and the information, as always. Much more with Wes when we come back here on the Lombardi Line. It's Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA Finals game and either team hits a three-pointer, regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use the bonus code VSIN100 when you place your first bet. Enjoy the finals more than ever with BetMGM. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older to wager in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Washington, D.C. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada. Virginia and Washington, D.C., 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Pennsylvania and West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Had a whole lot of fun here on the Lombardi line today with Wes Reynolds here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And let's bring in uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, the VEASAN senior NBA expert. Always good to have JVT on. And I want to get your thoughts, Jonathan, on the NBA Finals tonight, game number four. Wes and I have been talking about it. We've watched the line tick up as the day and the week's gone on here for Milwaukee minus four and a half now. What's your initial thought on this matchup? And it still feels like the Suns, the pack line defense hasn't worked against uh, Giannis. I don't know what's going to be different tonight. What do you make of this line? Well, I'll tell you what, it's not going to work. You know, it, this is five games now, guys, right? Two regular season, three postseason, 183 points total scored for Giannis Antetokounmpo between those five games. It is clear at this point, I thought it was relatively clear going into the series and I wrote about it multiple times, they weren't going to have an answer for Giannis. So I would expect that trend to kind of continue here. But this is why I kind of came into this series as a whole, just thinking that this is going to be a higher scoring series for the most part. We've seen two of the three games go over. Uh, we've seen the total now move up again today. Now we're talking about 221 and a half across the board. I was hoping uh, we would get back down to like 219 and a half, but that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. But regardless, you know, I think that's my main takeaway is I came in with some, you know, thoughts that these were going to be two offenses that had some success, two offenses that really bothered the other. Through three games, that's been mostly true. Now, I will say, and we can get to the details of it as well, you know, the Suns and what they faced in terms of Giannis and that small ball lineup really seemed to bother them in game three. And when Aiden went into foul trouble, there was no mismatch hunting because there was no big to take advantage of those mismatch 
inches in terms of size. But I think that's kind of my takeaway is, you know, these two teams, but one of them extremely well coached. The other, Boonholder gets credit for making adjustments. We kill him all the time for it, but he has been. And I think these are just two units that just really bother the other from a defensive standpoint. And we're going to continue to see some pretty solid offensive performances all the way through. John, as Dave mentioned, the Bucks are getting the money here. Now starting yep. to see some five show in faraway places. And look, uh, those money moves have been slightly profitable if you look at the playoffs this year. But how much in game three? We got to give Milwaukee and Bud, as you mentioned, credit defensively. But it almost is like game three seemed to be the spot where Phoenix was finally going to have a little bit of shooting regression. And I think you really saw that not only with, with Devin Booker, but eventually you kind of felt like they were going to have to come back to earth at least for one game. Because I know Jeff Van Gundy at the end of game two was like, look, these guys are looking a little tired at the end here. They've played a ton of minutes, and now you're a little bit more shorthanded without Sarich, so you haven't really gotten consistent bench contributions taking uh, uh, Cam Johnson, uh, or excuse me, uh, Johnson aside, but do you think it was more just shooting regression, or do you think, okay, the Bucks have finally figured it out here? I think it's a mix of both, West, right? So you, you get the obvious regression after hitting 23-point shots in game two. But, you know, I mentioned the, the adjustments, and you alluded to them, right, with Budenholzer. You know, they, they have gone small. They have taken Brooke Lopez out of this matchup for, for big minutes, right? He's still averaging about 20 minutes a game over the last two contests. But Giannis is now playing center. Uh, you are inserting Pat Connaughton into the lineup, and that means that Milwaukee is now able to switch everything, right? And they were doing that with Brooke Lopez on the floor, but that meant Chris Paul was destroying him in mid-range areas, and that's still meant that, of course, DeAndre Ayton could exploit a lot of those mismatches. And just think back anecdotally what we have seen through the last couple of games, right? DeAndre Ayton in game one has was really dynamic. We saw in game three, he surpassed his point total by nine minutes, 30 seconds left in the second quarter because he's getting smaller guys on him when the Bucks are switching everything. He's going to get Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton in those small ball lineups and the hunt. The Suns are brilliant, Wes, at hunting those mismatches. So I think you, you, you get a mix of both of those things, right? Chris Paul does no longer, right? When I'm going to one five pick and roll, it's not Brooke Lopez switching on to me now, right? It's Giannis Antetokounmpo that's switching on me or anything other than that. You know, if we're going in any other direction, there's no real mismatch to hunt other than DeAndre Ayton. And so then when you get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble in that first half, what happens? Well, now we insert Cam Johnson in the lineup and we're a small unit, but we're much smaller than what the Bucks roll out there. And now all of a sudden there's nothing really for us to find in terms of space for shooting. So I think, you know, it was a mixture of both West, but it ties into one point. It's one thing I wrote about before the series started and it pied reared its ugly head here for the Phoenix Suns. If the Suns had a massive flaw with their offense, it is that nobody on that team is a consistent attacker of the basket. There is nobody who consistently goes north-south that finishes within four feet of the basket, that if they get a mismatch in terms of lead sleet of foot, like a Pat Connaughton, for example, there's nobody really to exploit that. And I think that's going to be a problem now that you're going to see this small ball lineup from Milwaukee defensively. Now the Suns got to do a much better effort in terms of attacking within four feet other than eight, or else this is going to be another ugly effort offensively for them. Talking with Jonathan Von Tobel. Follow him on Twitter at me, JVT. And uh, Jonathan, very quickly to that end, you know, I've been trying to get somebody on board with me all week and nobody's following me here. I took Giannis at plus 500 before game three to win the MVP. And I mm -hmm. keep thinking if he keeps putting up these monster numbers, even in a losing cause, potentially in a game seven in Phoenix, and I know it hasn't happened since Jerry West in 1969 where you've had an MVP from a losing team. Are the numbers, if he keeps doing this and they still lose, are they good enough in your estimation that he could still be in play for the MVP? I know it's now down to plus 240. 
So, look, I, I think he should be, right? Like, if he's going to continue to do this, I also think that he would need this to go uh, seven games, right? Like, I don't know if you can make the effort, like, you can make the case if this isn't like a, hey, it's a it's literally a best of seven, and it took a, you know, last, you know, strong fourth quarter from Phoenix at home to win this thing. But I think it should be, right? But I use the key phrase should because the one thing that will always hold me back in that regard that I don't think they're going to have the case is that we watched LeBron James all those years ago lead the Warriors and the Cavs in every statistical category in a losing effort, dragging Matthew Dillavadova and Timofey Mozgov to six games against the Warriors, and he still didn't win that award. So while I believe he should have a very strong case to win this, regardless of the result of the series, I think history has told us, not to be insulting, but that writers have no nuance and are kind of dumb, and that they're not going to vote for something like that because, hey, you lost the series, right. when there should be a little bit more nuance and thought to something like that. When you give a Dondre Iguodala, over LeBron mm-hmm. James that year. Mm-hmm. Excellent point, JVT. I mean, it, clearly LeBron James was the best player on the floor in that series. I am shocked oh, yeah. to hear JVT say that the national sports media has no nuance, <laughs> and that's actually very good transition here because we were actually having this conversation earlier this week, and it pertains to USA basketball. Obviously, yeah. what we have seen, they go one and two here at the Michelob Ultra Arena here in Las Vegas in these three exhibition games. Still minus $4 at BetMGM to win the gold medal, and minus a thousand to get out of that group a, I believe Iran, France, and the Czech Republic are the three teams in that group. Uh, JVT too early to pass, push the panic button here on team USA. They are missing three players after all. Uh, no, Wes, this is the perfect time. Everything's over. They're never they're actually, they're not going to win a medal. Uh, and you should probably put out Greg Popovich, the pastor. No, like I saw there was so much of that, right? Like there was uh, pop has passed his time. This team's not going to medal. Like there is you Wes and you, you and I talked briefly on social media about this. There is a certain arrogance when it comes to USA right. basketball, right? Because, Hey, it's our sport. This is a global sport. Now, you know, there are many countries who have developed players who are very good role players and key players in the NBA at this point right now who are playing on their countries for their countries. The Australia is a perfect example. Yes. Patty Mills, Matisse Thibel, Joe Ingles, Ben Simmons turned it down, but they still would have used Ben Simmons, right? Like that is a country that has a lot of quality players in terms of basketball. So when you talk about a team that was just put together, a team that had what four days of practice. And if you include right, the two exhibition games, you can call it six. I think it just takes a little bit of time in these friendlies to get it together. Oh, and also by the way, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton and Devin Booker, are some pretty damn good players that'll probably be getting minutes late in games other than Sadiq Bay and Kelvin Johnson as much as I love those young guys. So, yes, like it is way too early to punt on Team USA. They are a massive favorite to win gold for a reason. They're a massive favorite to get out of that uh, that uh, group, as you, of course, uh, noted. I think everything's going to be fine. I think at one point yesterday, what they had like 13 assists on 14 made buckets. I think this USA team with more time is, is going to be quite competitive in the Olympics. We'll put it that way. I saw some people on Twitter yesterday, Jonathan, saying, oh, please, I don't want a whole lot in life. Just make the USA, Team USA, even money to win the gold. That's all I ask for, and I'll, I'll bet everything on it. <laughs> That'll, that's not going to That's <laughs> never going to happen. Right? Uh, what, are, what would be some, some, some betting tips, if you will, for the Olympics? Would you fade the Americans? Because they are going to be these lines individually for these games. You just assume are going to be so inflated uh, for Team USA. Yeah, against some quality competition, you know, and, and fade always indicates, right, it makes you seem like you think the team is bad, but that's not necessarily the case, right? You know, with the arrogance that I speak of in terms of USA basketball, in terms of perception, it carries over a little to the lines, right? You know, you saw those big lines that they were laying against Nigeria and Australia, you know, specifically in those matchups with teams like in Australia, right, potentially France, uh, Spain, like, those are some quality teams, and, like, I really like what a team like Australia brings to the table. If you look at the futures market of any of the teams that I would play personally, it would be Australia and the 
range of 13, 14 to one. So yeah, like in terms of fading him, maybe not every single matchup, but once you get to these quality teams, right, when you're talking about the knockout stages and you're, you know, laying double digit points against the likes of an Australia type team, I would say, yes, I would be finding my way in betting and catching points as opposed to laying them with team USA for sure. John, about a minute left to go and we're on the same wavelength here. And I pointed out with Australia, the boomers have never won an Olympic medal. I think they've been fourth a couple times in Olympic competition. They are still plus money to win a medal because I, if you look at oh. the odds right now, Spain and Australia about 10 to 1. This is at BetMGM, France 18 to 1, Luca and Slovenia at 20 to 1. John, do you think that the Aussies, obviously you're high on the Americans and more than likely thinking they're going to win the gold medal. Do you think the Aussies maybe are more so the threat, though, to Team USA rather than Spain? I 100% think so, man. Like they're sound defensively. They have good quality defensive players. They have shooting in multiple positions. Wes, if any team is going to win gold in my mind, that is not the Americans. I think it is the boomers. Hmm. Very interesting. I, you know, I wasn't thinking Australia cause I was thinking Spain, but you guys might get me to the Spain window. Spain is experienced, but they are a little bit right. older on their roster this time around. All right. We'll see what uh, Luis Scola could carry Argentina single handedly. <laughs> it still looks great. It still looks like he can play in the NBA awesome. at what, 44 years young there. Jonathan Vontel. appreciate the time the information, Jonathan. Thanks, John. Cannot Take wait, easy, for game four tonight. Wes, very quickly before we get out of here, uh, who's going to win the British Open? It's going to be Jordan Spieth. Thanks for watching this edition of the Lombardi Island right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.